Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Daikin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Daikin Air Intelligence Tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Daikin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting daikinloveshouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. Here's the snap. Looking. Flips the ball. Diving for the pylon. And he's got it. Razzle dazzle. Touchdown, Houston. And the Texans go in front. Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Falls out. The Texans say they have it, and they do. Now it's Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Back from yesterday's. 42-36 to 36 overtime loss to the Tennessee Titans. One of the most unbelievable live football games I've ever seen. It was, it, the first half didn't, at 21-10 I thought, man, ugh. but I didn't think the Texans were out of it. With 21-10, you get the ball to start second half, you get out and score a touchdown, it's 21-17, and eh, you know, who knows what you can do at that point. Got into the second half. The Texans scored 26 points in the second half and put themselves in a position to win that game, 36-29. Could not stop the Titans. Tied it up on an A.J. Brown fade route in the end zone. Extra point tied it. Deshaun called tails, came up heads, and the Titans didn't give the ball back. Tough loss. Really, really tough loss. Man, what a football game. Uh, that turned out to be. All right, on this Monday edition, we are going to recap what we know thus far of week six in the NFL. We're also going to talk to our good pal Andre Ware, but we're going to kick it off with the general John McClain. I never got your reaction. The fourth, da- not the fourth down decision, the two-point conversion decision late in the game by Romeo Cornell. We were fine with it. Be aggressive. What were your thoughts as it took place and after the fact? I have been writing, tweeting, and broadcasting that the Texans need to win or lose with Watson. Go with him in clutch situations. Don't give it to David Johnson for two yards up the middle. Put it on Watson's shoulders. So I'll ask everybody out there listening, would you have more faith in Watson at the two-yard line or the defense stopping the Titans on a touchdown drive and two-point conversion, considering the way the Titans were steamrolling the defense. Give me Watson any day of the week. I think it was a smart thing to do. Randall Cobb was open, and defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons made a great play. So I have no issue. I see all these people around the country. They were 98% to win. And I want to say, uh, have you checked the Texans' defense? And they don't, of course. But I got no issue with what Romeo Cornell did. John, let's talk about that Texans defense. A, what do you think happened yesterday? And B, maybe more difficult, where do we go from here? 
I don't know what's happened to the Texans because last year for the first nine games, they gave up 84 yards of game rushing. And then starting with that game against the Ravens, they've given up more than 170, and that includes the 75-yard performance against the Jaguars a week ago. So you see them missing tackles. You see them taking bad angles, making mental mistakes, and leaving Derrick Henry wide open in overtime for the 53-yard pass play. The direct snap, they practiced it all week to Henry, and Henry made a great play on it. But it, it looks like they're not playing smart. They're not playing well. And I don't. I guess they're just not good enough. That's why you're going to have to outscore teams. And yesterday was a great example of that. Watson has tied his career high with three consecutive 300-yard games. If he does it again, four in a row, that'll be a career best. He's playing really well. Remember, they had not had a 30-point game by the offense since early last season when they did it against Atlanta and Kansas City back-to-back. Now they've done it back-to-back the last two games, and they're going to have to keep doing it because it's pretty obvious this defense is struggling and will continue to struggle. And they still struggle running the football, John. I mean, they're moving it through the air, no doubt about it. And you do get some rushing yardage, but I just find it surprising that in this system, with the line that they thought was going to be very good, and they were when they were together last year. I know Sharping was a part of that, and they put in Sunil Kelamete. But they can't run the football, which is a little surprising to me. Your thoughts? Uh, they were ninth and eighth in rushing the last two years. Watson had a big part of that. Watson is not running as much early this season as he has in every other season. He does it uh, when he can't find a receiver. They had one design option play, and I'm not sure if that's part of the strategy, but he's not helping the running game purposely. And I'll give you an interesting stat. On first down, David Johnson got 11 carries for 24 yards. That's an average of 2.2 yards. I know you can't throw on every down, but Watson threw 18 times on first down. He had 14 completions that averaged 13.4 yards. So 13.4 compared to 2.2. I believe two times, maybe three, Tim Kelly called back-to-back Uh, plays for pass plays on first down and both worked. So it doesn't hurt to me to throw a four or five yard completion on first down. That's as good as a run. Then if you want to run, run it on second down, but keep getting having David Johnson get stuffed and facing too many second and eights. That uh, is, is just detrimental to what the offense wants to accomplish. But the way Watson's playing right now, and he's gotten reasonably good protection the last two games, only three sacks, um, this is going to be a passing offense and should. It reminds me of the running shoot because the defense always expected them to throw the ball. The running downs, when they did it, usually gained yardage because the defense was playing pass all the time. That's what they're going to have to do against the Texans. John, with that offense, yesterday Will Fuller, He's kind of rolling the whole game, but Brandon Cooks really wakes up in the second half, and and I contend that final 30 minutes was as good as I've seen this offense, not only in 2020, but probably going back even to the Atlanta game from last year. John, what's your overall assessment of what you saw from Fuller, Cooks, Cobb, this wide receiver group? Was yesterday kind of – the way that I felt watching it was 
this is what we went out and got these guys for. That was the game yesterday where it felt like this was the plan sort of all coming together. What were your thoughts watching that group yesterday? Fuller's averaging 16 yards a catch. If he hadn't had that one game where he didn't get targeted, so he didn't catch a pass, no telling where he would be right now. Uh, Cooks, Cooks didn't have the average per catch they wanted like he had the week before, but he had nine. A lot of them were on some of his, I think like four of them were on first down. The one that's really emerged is Darren Fells. With Jordan Akins being out these last two games, Fells has really stepped up. It's obvious he and Watson have good on-field rapport. He had six catches, a 14.2-yard average, 35-yarder. That's two games in a row. He's had a long gain, also had another touchdown. So they're difficult to prepare for. When Watson gets time to throw like he did to give Fuller a chance to get open on that 53-yard touchdown, this offense is prolific. And one of the things that was interesting, when uh, Derrick Henry had that run, 94-yard touchdown, it just could have taken the life out of the Texans, but Watson comes right back, two plays, boom, 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 touchdown. And then it kind of took the life out of the Titans for a minute. But uh, what a game. Mike Vrabel did a great coaching job. Texans, I had no issue with Romeo Cornell going for two. But the defense, I don't know what the answer is. Here comes Aaron Rodgers coming off his worst mm-hmm. game in two years. Too bad Texans, he couldn't have waited one more week. And, you know, the Packers are going to be seething at their performance at Tampa Bay, in which they got beat 38-10. So I'm sure the Texans' defense is going to get the best Aaron Rodgers has got. All right, John. By the way, Tampa Bay, number one defense in the league in yards per game. I mean, that's Todd Bowles right there, who might get another head coaching job. John, is Arthur Smith going to be a head coach? I believe he will be. Arthur Smith, one of ten children of FedEx founder Fred Smith. Uh, He's been with that team for ten years, worked his way up from the bottom. Four head coaches have kept him. Mike Vrabel promoted him to offensive coordinator, and I talked at length in Nashville Saturday and again last night to friends of mine with the team and who cover the team to see what they think about him, and all of them believe it's time for Arthur Smith to be a head coach. And I tweeted, and I'm going to write this for Wednesday, Cal McNair needs to put him on his list of candidates. Yeah. I mean, you have to look at what they did yesterday, 601 yards. Yeah, You have to. I mean, he's been so – effective when they made the change to put Tannehill in for Mariota that's when everybody started paying attention to what Arthur Smith was doing well here's the thing before when Mariota was in the receivers were open Arthur Smith was calling ball plays to get his receivers open Mariota just couldn't do it but John Ryan Tannehill has been able to do it so I ask you this we've seen the best in the league I'll give you the Titans offense the Ravens offense the Chiefs offense I know what everybody's going to say but I want you to think about it which group is probably the strongest? Rank those three offenses the Texans have seen this year. Well, first of all, I'm going to go with the Chiefs because they got Patrick Mahomes and they're defending Super Bowl champions, but nobody has the balance that the Titans do. They were 2-4 and four when Vrabel branched Mariota and elevated Tannehill, and they had traded for Tannehill to be the backup in case Mariota got injured, and he didn't. And they tell me that Smith has done a great job with Tannehill of putting him in the best possible situations for his skill set And until yesterday. And it's too bad the Texans didn't win. We've been talking about the turnovers on defense, special teams, 
all three turned into touchdowns and what a great game they played. But you can't give up a club record 601 yards and have people say great things about you. So I think Arthur Smith's the balance. Now it helps they got Derrick Henry. He was a second-round draft choice. And if he played the Texans every week, he'd be the NFL's all-time leading rusher, 211 and 212 in back-to-back games. And I think uh, I think Mike Vrabel knows that there's a good chance he's going to lose Arthur Smith after the season. And I'm told that Atlanta is uh, already thinking about him by people over there because he's going to have multiple options. And right now, Houston and Atlanta would be of the – Jobs that may come open to me would be the most attractive by far because of ownership and stability, money they spend, and uh, both of them have a quarterback in place that'd be good to work with. But Watson's a whole lot younger than Matt Ryan. Yeah, exactly. You got a long time with Watson being your pupil, if you will, as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach. All right, John, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, they fall behind badly to Cincinnati. I have no idea how good the Colts are. I mean, how good can the Colts be? Uh, We've seen how good the Titans are, but they do give up some points. They do give up some yards. So your thoughts on the division as a whole? They came back from a 21-0 deficit. And and let's be honest, when you're down to Cincinnati 21-0, something's wrong. The, The Bengals had a lot of yards. Joe Burrow threw for a whole lot of yards, but they still couldn't uh, – their defense could not keep the Colts from coming back. And the thing is, Phillip Rivers had his best game by far. And uh, he was 29 of 44 for 371 yards, three touchdowns, 105.4 rating. They can't run the ball anymore. They only ran for 59 yards. But they're not getting much of a contribution from T.Y. Hilton. Now they go to Detroit. They should be able to win that game. Lions coming off a crushing victory over the Jaguars, who have now given up 32.3 points a game over their last five losses. So, uh, uh, right, I just don't I – haven't, we haven't seen the Colts, of course. They play Titans two times in November. But I just don't see them hanging with the Titans because of the great balance the Titans have on offense. But also, Tennessee's struggling on defense. That is a big deal how bad their defense has been. And they've been giving up 409 yards a game, 29th in the NFL. And the Texans had 412. So they believe, and they won't say this, Titans going to have problems stopping teams. But the team with the best quarterback in the division is the Texans. And they got to come to Houston and play. And I know – uh, that ought to be an exciting game, but the Colts, I just don't, can't get a read on them yet. Yeah, I'm with the general on this one. I don't really know what to expect from the Colts. If Phillip Rivers is on, they can beat anybody. If he is turned off, well, pick sixes are going to rain, and hopefully that's what happens when the Texans face Phillip Rivers and the Colts twice this year. Okay, when we get back, we had a really fun visit with our good pal Andre Ware, and that is up next on Texans All Access. Touchdown! Texans Radio continues in a moment. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you by Miller Lite. During this time of social distancing, cheering on the Texans over a beer might look a little different today. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. 
Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, here's the show. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 10.30 or after the late local news on ABC 13. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris. I am one of the pieces of our game day audio crew. The voice of the Texans is Mark Vandermeer. And our game analyst is our good pal Andre Ware. And the three of us caught up. Talked a lot of different things, including about Zach Wilson from BYU. Dre got my attention. I went and watched his game against Houston. Charted every single play of that game for BYU's offense to get a better gauge on Wilson. Uh, yeah, he's pretty darn good. And I did that at footballtakeover.com. Every single play. Go check it out. A lot of BYU fans are pretty happy with what I wrote. And to be expected, because Zach Wilson's pretty darn good. So uh, we'll catch up on Zach Wilson as well with our good pal, Andre Ware. Andre, more impressive catch. I guess the Cobb catch has to be more impressive than what um, what Brown did at the end of the game, but Brown at the end of regulation. But yeah. Brown's was that bang-bang play with the foot and the knee, and I just didn't think we had the uh, evidence to get that overturned. Yeah, it uh, it was unfortunate. I thought it was it was close. Had I think had the ruling on the field been uh, that Brown was out of bounds, then it would have stood there. And if you know, with it being obviously that the his leg was ruled in by the officials on the field, that you know it would stand. It just wasn't enough video evidence. I didn't think to uh, to make a make a changing in that that situation. So it's it's unfortunate. I think the team played well. Uh, there's obviously some things to fix, but um, <clears throat> they're entertaining now. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think, both, I think you could say both sides were, were entertaining. Uh, and, Jay, let's start with the, the entertaining side, that being Deshaun Watson, this offense. Uh, I said this to Mark earlier, Dre, the second half, uh, the offense scored 26 points, and mm-hmm. it felt like it was – and it looked as good and as smooth and efficient as I can remember – uh, in those last 30 minutes. I mean, if they're able to bottle that, Dre, uh, I mean, what's the ceiling for this offense if they can do that? Yeah, if they can bottle it and just add some semblance of a running game. Um, and, you know, I, I just think it's a pass-first offense. By the the ingredients that's there in which to cook, uh, yep. I think it's a, a pass-first offense. And so you're going to get your running game by, by forcing – defenses to, to kind of back out and defend the pass. And that's when you'll be able to, to run David Johnson underneath. I don't, I don't see him as a, um, a downhill back. He kind of picks his way. And so when you're throwing the football and you, you spread guys out defensively, you can allow for a back that type of back to run in that manner. Um, but if you're just asking him to come downhill, he's just that gear is just, I don't think it's there. Um, it's not there right now. Um, I don't know that he's ever been that type of back, but uh, it, it, that's the only way I think they're going to run the ball consistently is to throw first and then open up easier blocking blocking angles for the offensive line. 
Well, like you said, throw your way into a running game. You said that previously, and, and we had John McClain on earlier, and he said, just like in the run and shoot when you hand off because they think you're going to throw it. I mean, is that basically it? I mean, it's it's almost a draw play effect, right, because you're yeah, throwing it so much. There are some things you can run inside, obviously, between the tackles, traps, and, and counters and things of that sort, but you're running them from a pass set. And I just don't think they can squeeze things down and have a degree of success running the ball. You know, sometimes you just want to see or, or teams just inflict their will on you where no matter what you line up in, seven, eight in the box, they can still effectively run the football because they, they have, you know, a pile movers. They have a back that's willing to hit it in there. I just – I think they have pile movers. I just don't know that, that David's that kind of back, and it's not any fault of his own. It's just when you put a scheme together – you got to know these things uh, when you go out and, and start to assemble players for certain certain styles of offense. Dre, Ryan Tannehill, another excellent day yesterday. I want to go back to when Tannehill signed to go to Tennessee. Because I'm sure the three of us either texted or talked about that particular decision. When he did sign, think about that day and think about what he is turning into right now. Where would you put the level of – one being not shocked at all, 10 being, uh, this is unbelievable. I never saw this coming. Where would you put yourself on that scale as it pertains to where Ryan Tannehill has put himself from the time he signed with the Titans till now? I'm probably at a four. I'm not that, surpri- <laughs> not, I'm not that surprised. He, he is, uh, if I got your scale right. Yes. Um, he yeah, you're, is, you're dead uh, on. He, he doesn't surprise me. I watched Tannehill his, his last year in college. Uh, there's a reason why he was the number one pick. You know, he's got great size. He's got great athletic ability. He can throw the ball, and he's accurate with it. Um, and I, I kind of – we joked about this yesterday on the air about going to Miami. I mean, who's signing up for that? It's like, you know, who wants to go play quarterback for the Jets? And they just happen to be in the same division. At one point, who wanted to go to Buffalo and play quarterback there? Everybody that was drafted is trying, you know, looking at the calendar for the day that they get to leave. And when the when the when their contracts expire, and that's what it that's what it was for him in Miami. Not a lot of talent around him, you know. Not a you know coaching staffs that you're getting. If he's if he's there three years, four years, he's got a new offensive coordinator every year. This year, we're starting to really see what he can do because he's come back to the same offense pretty much um, uh, for year two. And so, when you get in situations like that, you're able to build as a player. He's a good player. And I think people just need to, need to start giving him credit. He's not, you know, one of these guys that uh, every year he's going to be on a different team and you want No, he's a good, solid player that uh, is really needs to, to be given his due. CBS put the graphic up. Last 14 starts, he versus Mahomes, and his numbers oh, are slightly better. I mean, not that they're saying he's Mahomes, I'm sure, but it's just a good example of how well he's been playing. And now he's 14-4 and four as the Titans starter. So it's pretty frightening what they have going on up there, Dre. All right, let's get back to the game here. Okay, wait and... a second. Wait, hold on, what? hold on, hold what? on. You told what? me last segment that I couldn't go to the butterfly effect. Dre, Mark tells me. Because I brought up the missed extra point that made it 24. Yeah. Mark says you can't employ the butterfly effect. Right. Well, you can't start comparing over the course of two seasons. <laughs> you have six whole months of an off season yeah, to sit right. there and continue to learn the offense. Do, you don't can't you know by now? Don't games. you know by now? Vandermeer can take numbers and make a meme, whatever they want to mean. Yes. He's good at that. He's good at that. You know, Should've he can find major. the good in all all stats. He can. 
No, not a math major. Just a uh, maybe. I should have been a politician. Hello, <laughs> hello, everybody. Okay, let's mayor, let's, mayor, get, mayor. let's get to the fourth down. I mean, the uh, two point conversion decision, Andre, uh, which I believe you were okay with. I was okay with. Johnny was okay with at the time, just to try to go up nine and end the game virtually right there. I was okay with it, but if you remember, I thought the extra point should have been kicked. Um, Oh, yeah, you because, did say that. Yeah, because uh, I was under the belief that they just, you know, when you when you can have the butterfly effect and go back and look at it, they just stopped you on a two-point conversion. And so what's the likelihood? What's I don't, I w- I'd love to know the uh, analytics about this, of, of Tennessee driving the field, scoring a touchdown, and converting the two-point conversion. And with very little time when you feel rushed to have having to do so, just just to get it to overtime. So I would probably play those percentages rather than, you know, trying to get it to nine and the game's over, essentially over. What if they hit you for a big one and it's touchdown and then onside kick and they get in the field goal range? I mean, you could play the what ifs everywhere, even if they went up by nine. But I just thought, okay, you'll get something out of this defense, some type of resistance out of this defense where they know what's on the line to make it at least tougher to get in the end zone. And then, okay, from the two, you're able to do some, you know, do something where you stop them from converting and you win the game that way. Uh, rather than you having to convert, force them to have to do so, especially at a critical time when they've got to go the length of the field. That's that's kind of how I saw it. Down eight, guys- and psychologically it might be different. I could, you know, I could maybe. see that. Maybe. Yeah. Do you Maybe. do you guys remember what the first play after the first play of the Titans drive? Do you remember what that first play was? It was right after swing pass to Henry, wasn't it? Nope. That was no. That was in overtime. I'm talking about in in oh. regulation when we scored when Cooks catches the fourth down pass. Which by the way, we went for a fourth down there and got that one. Um, but that the two point right after the two point conversion, we now have a seven point lead. We kicked to the Titans. It's a touchback. The very first play. Do you remember what it was? Charles who almost ate Brian Tannehill. Oh, yeah. And the right. ball comes right. out of his hands, and we're going, was that a fumble? We're hoping it's kind of a fumble. And then I thought, hey, wait a second. That's a great sign because that means now our our, our defensive yeah. line is ready to eat. And then it just <laughs> didn't ran, out of, ran out of gas. Uh, and, yeah. and that's the thing. Dre, I've – over the years, you know, my dad has coached a bunch of different sports. We've all been around a bunch of different sports. And I remember talking to my dad as I got into coaching, and we would talk about different philosophies. And I remember we were talking about a particular team, and they had a really good, they had a really good player. And I said, Dad, do you let that player get his but then take away everybody else, or do you flip it? Do you, um, do you force the player to have to prove it to you but everybody else can get theirs. What you can't have happen is both of them. I understood that. Well, yesterday, big star player got his, Derrick Henry, 212 rushing yards and 54. But the other casting crew, and I won't throw A.J. Brown in there, Anthony Ferkser, Adam Humphreys, and uh, who was, there was one other I was thinking in that mix, too, uh, that was part of Akina. that mix. That What's that? Westbrook Aquina. Yeah, well, he had the two-point conversion. But you couldn't let the... I want to say also Rans, but the, the backup dancers, if you will, you couldn't let them go off. And yet yeah. they – oh, McNichols. McNichols ran for 51 yards on five carries. McNichols goes yeah. goes off. Humphreys has the touchdown catch, and uh, Ferkser has eight catches. 
So you've got to, got to take one of them away, but they get both yesterday, and that's the reason you get beat. Yeah, if you if you take one, just one of those, uh, the several that you mentioned away. Humphreys, you know, I, I joked during the game, I didn't know who he was until game time, <laughs> you know, until he caught his first pass or so yesterday. But uh, he, he kept showing up in big ways, at, you know, in critical times during that game. And, and that's kind of what, um, when you have a player of the caliber of Derrick Henry, everybody kind of feeds from that because everything's working. They're hitting you all kinds of different ways um, in the sense that they're two-dimensional and they you don't know when they're throwing and you have no idea when they're running. And there were some times that you suspected them that they were going to run or suspected that they were going to run, and you still couldn't stop him. And so uh, that makes it tough defensively. When, when they have you on their heels, you, you have a team on their heels like that, um, they can pretty much have their way with you. And at the times, Tennessee was 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 that way in the in the ball game yesterday. Trey, what do you think of Arthur Smith as an offensive coordinator? I mean, that play at the end of regulation where everyone thinks they're going to spike the ball, then they throw it to Brown. It wasn't exactly Dan Marino in that instance against the Jets, but they were they're a very well coached offense. I mean, they were ready for that moment and they cashed in, took advantage of it. You know what, when I really gained a tremendous amount of respect for Arthur Smith, that's right. probably on a play that you guys, I'll give you 10 guesses, you probably wouldn't guess it, so I'll just tell you. It was the interception that Tannehill threw to uh, Bradley Roby. Okay. Because we had just gone down the field, they struck, we came back and struck quickly, and he was, hey, I'm going to come right back and strike right back at you. And that it just told me a lot about him and his makeup, and how you know he can go from ultra conservative and just giving it to the luxury back in Derrick <laughs> Henry and just pound you down the field. But no, he was sending a message that we got we can do this too. And if that ball's thrown inside rather than outside, you know we we may be talking about something totally different. It was thrown more to, to Bradley Roby than it was the intended receiver. But it told me a lot about Arthur Smith, that he was aggressive. He can be aggressive or he can control a game. You know, he's got different gears to the way he calls offense. And so uh, I, I just I learned I learned a lot about him and gained a, a lot of respect for him in that in that instance. All right, guys, we have seen since 2016. So we've seen Derrick Henry yesterday, May 16, 17, 18, 19. That, yesterday was the ninth time that we've seen Derrick Henry. So I know at some point throughout all those games, we have all tried to figure out, okay, who does Derrick Henry remind you of? Mm. I still to this, to this day, mm. I can't think anybody. I, I cannot think no. anybody because he's 6'3", 247. And on that run, my angle, I was standing about in line with the line of scrimmage. So my angle down the field was, was different than y'all's. But I couldn't really see him like running away from guys until I saw the replay up on the board. When they showed the replay up on the board, they had it from the Titans sideline, and you can see him just pulling away from guys at 6'3", 247. I can't for the life of me think of anybody, and the only name that comes to mind, only one, is Eric Dickerson, just because of the upright, tall running style, and, and, and Eric Dickerson had that way of kind of running away from guys when you didn't think he was running all that fast. Yeah, he had, um, he had breakaway speed, that's for he sure. He had I just speed. Don't know just, I don't know the size, though. I, I can't think of I anybody that has ever played this game like him. Yeah, I don't know if ED had the physical uh, yep. 
aspect to his yeah, game that Henry that. has. Henry's Henry's a guy. We, we talked about this yesterday as well. Henry's a running back that by the third, middle to late part of the third quarter, um, <laughs> guys are saying, "Hey, man, you go hit him. I don't want any more of that." You know, yeah. I, I don't. You know, I'm not signing up for that. That that yeah. that's been coming at me all day. It's your turn, or somebody yeah. else get in here and help me because I can't I can't do this by myself anymore. And you just you see it coming and you're like, oh, not again. That's the kind of back he is, and and he thrives in it. He loves it. Just the physical nature, and that's you know you had to be under a rock not to see the stiff arm on Norman last week, but yep. um, he just wears you down. And I don't know that there's ever been that rare combination of speed and power and willingness to bring the power to you um Mm -hmm. ever i I just don't know that i've seen that that combination and he's big not not just we've seen big backs like earl campbell and we've seen you know chris the christian okoyas we haven't seen six three two fifty backs that can run we haven't seen (laughs) six three two fifty it's it's unfair. It's, it's, Jerry, Dre, he's running away from everybody at 250, running away yeah. from guys who are smaller and should be faster, but they're not. The funniest yeah, I'll, thing I'll, is I'll, to watch that I'll, guy I'll when never... he was in high school. When he was oh, in high gosh. school, he went oh, to yeah, a small yeah, yeah. school in Florida. He was like a little uh-huh. 1A or 2A school, and he would stand back there in the eye formation, and <laughs> it looked like, I mean, it looked like everybody had been shrunk. Yeah. And it was like the NBA Jam game where the big heads got when you got hot. And you had a big head and a little body. That's what they all looked like. And then there's Henry at six two two forty seven. He was the exact same size, I think, when he was back in yeah. high school. That's true because we've done some things in college to highlight him, and you're like, "Damn, who's he playing with? Like Pee Wee League players or something?" And it's it's yeah. it's high school film. It's crazy. Uh-huh. It's, well, well, they, there's they no wonder why it. he ran for so many yards in high school. They put his stats up on Twitter, uh, like, I guess one year of high school ball with him, and it was like 300 yards, 300 yards, 400 yards. I mean, the guy's just – no one can tackle him, of course. Uh, Dre, let me go to the head coaching conversation here for a moment uh, because yep. this is something we're going to talk about every week. Uh, but we mentioned Arthur Smith. A lot of people are talking about Bienemy. No one's going to solve this today. But one thing about Bienemy that I don't – maybe he's a great leader and that, and maybe he's a great coordinator – but we don't really know based on what we see because you don't know what Andy Reid is doing. At least with the Titans and Arthur Smith, you know that Vrabel's not coordinating that offense, right? Somebody's right. doing that. And LaFleur did it a couple of years ago. Smith's had two years at it. McLean made the good point that four new head coaches have kept Arthur Smith around. I don't think that's because they have a big sponsorship deal with FedEx and his dad. I don't know, even know if they have a big sponsorship deal with FedEx. But to me, that shows something about the guy and how he's valued in the organization. Uh, no doubt about it. And um, for all the examples I just gave in terms of, you know, when he when he decided to put his foot on the gas and, and try to come right back at the Texans to hit him for a big one, um, you know, you know that he's got different layers to him. Uh, but, you know <laughs> – Offense isn't our problem, and I know it's. it's <laughs> I know everybody wants you know to go out and get this offensive, yeah. you know, offensive-minded head coach because of Deshaun and this. I just don't real. I I don't believe that you go get a coach for one player. Mm-hmm. You yeah. go get a coach for the organization, and point. P- preferably what needs fixing. Because mm-hmm. I I think Deshaun can survive and and execute and thrive in any offensive system. Now, let's take a look at the defense. Mm-hmm. 
And so that might be where you, you need a leader or a defensive-minded guy to fix it because that's where you win games in the NFL. you got to be able to, to stop people, make them one-dimensional, and get after their quarterback. We, I don't know that we can do any of that right now. Dre, you had the BYU-UH game on yeah. Friday night, right? Yeah. Uh, that BYU quarterback looks pretty good, like you mentioned last week. Uh, yeah, he is uh, – he's special. We did our – or top five, and Mel Kuyper had him at five. I had him at two right behind Trevor Lawrence. I've seen him enough to know that he's the real deal. Um, if he decides to come out this year, I think he's going to be a very high draft pick, and his stock is just going to continue to rise as they, they play games. I, I wish, just for selfish reasons, that the, the schedule that BYU had originally uh, put out there, they would be able to play it with the likes of – Michigan State, there were Big Ten teams on that schedule. There were Pac-12 teams on that schedule. American, uh, the best of the American were on that schedule. And uh, they, unfortunately, we won't get to see it. I think they're secretly one of the better teams in the country. Um, with the original schedule, it would be one hell of a conversation as to if BYU is, is uh, a playoff team because with strength of schedule, I think they would just about have it there. And I don't see – uh, BYU as a as a, a group five school. I, I see them somewhere in the middle of power five and, and group five where they just kind of hang out as an independent uh, because of the schedule that they they are able to put together from, from year to year. So uh, they're, it's, it's unfortunate. They've got a talented roster on both sides of the ball. I think they've got a couple of first-round picks on both sides of the ball, and, and Zach certainly is one in my opinion. All right, what's the game this week for you? In college. Oh, it's uh, Tulsa at South Florida this week on a Friday night. So Tulsa, hopefully, with uh, with Philip Montgomery, they've given him uh, another year to get it together. They lost a bunch of close games last year, and he's got a lot of young talent across the board. So I think Tulsa's going to surprise some people. South Florida, I'm not, not, uh, not sure about. It used to be a great destination job all the way back to, uh, God, what was the coach's Skip name? Skip Holtz. There that, <laughs> no, Skip, he was before Skip. That, Jim Levitt uh, was there a long time ago. Jim Levitt built the program and had him mm-hmm. ranked yep. number two in the country. And uh, I think he, he, he grabbed a, a kid. Imagine this, Johnny. You grabbed a kid's face mask and scolded him, <laughs> and they took your job away for doing so. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Wait, so, I saw Craig yeah, T. Nelson do that to Tom Cruise in uh, All the Right Moves, and he didn't yeah, get yeah, about yeah. that. I mean, but that was Stephen Georgievich in 1983. I mean, times, <laughs> yeah, are, coaches, times are a little different. Yeah, coaches do that all the time and, and uh, get over it already. <laughs> My dad hit but me they, with They've been in vanilla. trouble, it seems like, ever since then. My dad hit me with a vanilla f- uh, play card folder one day. Um, in the huddle, and uh, I got grounded for it. So, you know, there's that. You know, I was the one who got in trouble for it. Um, you got hit but got grounded. That's yeah, great. but I got in trouble for it. Yeah, because I was talking back to him on the sideline, which we should have had a rule, like what's on the field stays on the field, but apparently it didn't fly in that situation. That's for sure. Uh, oh, by the way, Dre, Tulsa, linebacker number 23, Zavin Collins. That's a guy that I would love to see come to the Texans. That dude's a player. Check him out. Yep, 6'4", 256 pounds. He just uh, – I think he's what, just a junior, though. This is his junior year. But he's draft eligible because good he is player. a Good player, yep. So, Real yeah, good player. Had a breakout season his redshirt freshman year, and he's just got all the size and speed that, that you want. So, yep, good player. All right. That was a fun conversation with Mark and Andre. 
that we had discussing everything that went with this game and also discussing a little bit of Tulsa football right there at the end. Okay, how did week six go in the NFL? We'll recap it next right here on Texans All Access. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. 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 What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points Saturday nights at 1030 or after the late local news on ABC 13. Are you ready for the fastest five minutes in Texans All-Access history? I know you are. I am John Harris. Welcome back to the show. And we are going to recap the NFL Week 6. Here we go. There's no Thursday night game. So let's start in the Sunday afternoon games where the Bears, 23 Panthers, 16 Nick Foles, 198 yards passing. They pick off the... Panthers quarterback Teddy Bridgewater twice. Bears get a win in a game they controlled throughout 23-16. to 16. Bears go to 5-1. and one. The Bengals had a 21 to nothing lead. Joey Burrow was slinging it. That turned into a 24-21 lead at halftime. And it turned into a 31-27 Colts victory as Phillip Rivers got it rolling. 29-44 for 371. And three touchdowns. Marcus Johnson, his big receiver. Five catches for 108 yards as the Colts get win number four. And the Colts are four and two, and it makes me ill. The Detroit Lions went down to Duval County. Could the Jags get off the schneid after losing four in a row? Losing to the Texans last week? Uh, No, because the Lions took care of business. DeAndre Swift. He's done it before in that stadium as a member of the Georgia Bulldogs. He rushes for 116 and two touchdowns, including a 54-yarder that came up short, but then he finished it off with a six-yard touchdown run later on. Lions win, second win on the year for the Detroit Lions, now two and three, Jags one and five. Speaking of getting off the schneid, the winless Falcons went to Minnesota. And it appeared that the Vikings would get win number two. But that was not the case. Falcons dominated all day. A Vikings team without Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins, three interceptions. Three. And the Falcons got it done with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. 371 yards passing for Ryan. Eight for 137 and two tutties for Julio. Falcons blow out the Vikings in Minnesota, yikes, 40-23. to 23. Broncos and Patriots played an ugly game, as in 18-12. to 12. There was one touchdown, one. Cam Newton ran one in. They tried the two-point conversion to get it within seven. It didn't go down. There were way too many field goals to even count what happened, but the Broncos end up getting the 18-12 to 12 win as Cam Newton struggled with two interceptions on the day and the Patriots fall to two and three Broncos improve to two and three the Giants beat the Washington football team 2019 congratulations to Joe Judge getting the first win of his head coaching career the Eagles scored 22 points in the fourth quarter to come back from behind against the Baltimore Ravens 
Got it to 30-22. to 22. Carson Wentz scored just under the two-minute warning, but the two-point conversion was stopped, and the Ravens come through with the win on the road in Philly. They get it done. Lamar Jackson doing his Houdini-like thing, sacked three times, only threw one touchdown, but he did run for 108 yards and a 37-yard touchdown run. Ravens win 30-22. to 22. They go to 5-1 and one on the season. The Eagles fall to 1-4-1. and one. In the blowout of the day, the Pittsburgh Steelers hammered the Cleveland Browns at home. Minka Fitzpatrick, a pick six to ugh, pile on Baker Mayfield's lousy day. Two interceptions, that one pick six for Fitzpatrick, and the running game for the Steelers got it Done. 101 yards for James Conner and a tutty. Steelers win 38-7. to Oh, brutal. You know what happened? Texans, Titans, and Dolphins shut out the Jets. I'm not even going to go any further with that. They shut out the Jets. They shut out the Jets and Tua Tungavailoa played. The Bucks face the next opponent the Texans have, and that is the Green Bay Packers. After getting out to a 10-0 lead, the Bucks scored 38 unanswered points, including 28 in the second quarter. Tom Brady threw two touchdowns. Ronald Jones ran for two touchdowns. And the Bucks improved to 4-2 and two, while the Packers fall from the ranks of the undefeated. They're now 4-1 and coming to NRG next Sunday. In the Sunday night game, a little bit of an upset. 49ers get it done at home 24-16 over The Rams, Jimmy Garoppolo did play 23 of 33 for 268 and three touchdowns. One to Kittle, one to Samuel, and one to Brandon Ayuk. Man, what an electrifying pass-catching group out in San Francisco. Jared Goff struggled. 19 of 38, 198, two tutties, but he did throw an interception. That was big to Jason Verrett, and I love Jason Verrett, so congratulations. 49ers get the win. They go to three and three. Rams fall to four and two. And that is week six in the NFL. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.